More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters— with new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Whoa, he has trouble with the snap, and the ball is free! There goes Davis! Oh my God! Davis is going running all the way back! This is VEASAN's College Football Betting Podcast. Welcome in, everyone. Another edition of the VEASAN College Football Betting Podcast. If you're not familiar with what we do... It's already October. Where you been? But three episodes each and every week. Sundays, if you miss it live, don't worry. We will have it here in the feed. That would be the Lines Revealed podcast slash show, which airs every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, hosted by Jonathan Von Tobel. Yours truly made an appearance this past weekend, hanging out with JVT for a little bit, looking at some of those fresh lines as they were released at Circus Sportsbook. Then every Tuesday early morning, we record it late Monday night out in Las Vegas. Myself and Adam Burke, we will break down the latest power ratings for Adam, some letdowns, some look-aheads, and we're getting close, folks, those midweek games. And then Thursday, we bring in Matt Humans, and uh, he joins me as we break down all of the games and give you our best bets for the weekend. So three episodes each and every week please rate review subscribe let a friend know let many of friends know hey you know the holidays aren't that far away i I think of the best holiday present would be letting people know about the vcin college football betting podcast well today will be a little bit different as adam burke uh is out today but he has still put up his latest updated power ratings and the value that he sees out there. I will be joined by VEASAN contributor and VEASAN host, Wes Reynolds. He writes up college football games. Wes and I subscribe to a very similar mindset when it comes to some letdowns and some look-aheads. So we will have a chat extensively a little bit later on when it comes to those letdown and look-ahead spots. But once again, no Adam today. He'll be back next week. But I do have his power ratings ahead of me in front of me, I should say, and we will take a look at those as we get to Adam's Stock Report. All right, let's start as we like to do. You know, I'm a positive guy. Let's look at those teams that have made those improvements with Stock Up. All right, looking at Adam's 
latest power ratings. Not that big of a surprise up top. You've got Alabama 1, Georgia 2, Ohio State 3. Michigan uh, a step behind there. I'm surprised by this. USC at number 5. I disagree a little bit with that, but uh, we will see in a couple weeks uh, USC and Utah, who actually Adam has as his number 6 team. That would be the Utah Utes. Then Clemson sitting there at 7 and Tennessee at eight. But as for the biggest movers from this weekend, that was he's bumped up Tulsa nine, uh, six points, I should say, not nine, six points. And, you know, the biggest question about Tulsa heading into last weekend and reason why ultimately I did not uh, fire on the Golden Hurricane was the health of their quarterback, uh, Davis Brin. And he did ultimately play, was a bit banged up. And depending on when you got that number, it was nine and a half most of the week. I think some people could have got it in the double digits. They lost by 10. Uh, but one thing Adam did do was jump Tulsa 10 points. And he said, you know, when you look at Tulsa, felt like the uh, way too low in last week's cover against Cincinnati. Davis Brin wasn't 100%, but played, and he should be fine moving forward. So, you know, something to keep in mind when it comes to the Golden Hurricane as uh, as they head into this uh, upcoming week in Tulsa, you know, a team that this weekend plays Navy. Now, I, I don't know what to do, and I'm not going to dive into all of these games extensively, but, you know, Tulsa and Navy, tricky situation for me because this is a, a road game at Navy. Um, market has moved a little bit towards the midshipmen who played actually pretty well. And this mark, this move, uh, movement has uh, this game, I should say, has moved three points. So you know, Adam has increased Tulsa and his power ratings, but the market is uh, actually siding with the midshipmen, who I thought showed well, in my opinion, against Air Force in a thirteen ten loss uh, in Colorado Springs. But an under in a service academy game and Navy uh, once again keeping it close. Another team that he uh, is high on this week is San Jose State. And San Jose State has a fascinating game on Friday night against UNLV. UNLV has kind of been the darling. We've talked about them a bunch on this show about how many people have been uh, jumping UNLV. Well, look at the market. So Adam has jumped San Jose State six points uh, in his power ratings. The market loves the Spartans this weekend. They open as a five-point favorite on Sunday at Circa, and right now you're looking at a seven-point spread. UNLV, and uh, give credit to Jonathan Von Tobel for pointing this one out because he's kind of our Mountain West guru. Matt Newman certainly knows the Mountain West as, as well as anyone, too, and I think Matt was uh, indicating on this as well. Uh, but UNLV, it was kind of getting over their skis a little bit when it came to the market, and they did not ultimately cover against New Mexico. Came back and won despite a, a double-digit deficit there, but they were a 14-point home favorite against New Mexico, and the Lobos were able to cover that one in a 31-20 to loss last Friday night. Now San Jose State hosting UNLV, and the market has moved uh, them to a touchdown favorite, which seems a bit high, uh, but you know Adam, I would say, agrees with the movement of San Jose State. And this was a team that had buzz, and I felt like there was a buy-low opportunity early on in the year. Because remember, they played very poorly out of the gates against Portland State, was very fortunate to get that win. And now the Spartans kind of seem to be finding their own a little bit. And they're a team that, you know, last weekend took care of business against Wyoming. 
they've now won two in a row uh, and a Friday night game at home against UNLV. And then you look at Fresno State. Uh, if uh, Jake Hayner's not going to be ready in two weeks, that could be a great spot for San Jose State. San Jose State's got an opportunity with the schedule ahead of them. Listen to this schedule. If they can get by UNLV as a seven-point favorite, Fresno State just lost to UConn. Then they have New Mexico State, who just lost to Florida International. Then they have Nevada. Then they have Colorado State. So where's the turbulence there for San Jose State, who at this point in time in the season is 3-1, and one, had that early bye week. But if you look at the schedule, they very well could be 8-1 and one in a blink of an eye heading into a November 12th showdown against San Diego State. So, uh, you know, the way the schedule's set up and the way the Mountain West is playing out this year, they also have a game against Hawaii to close out the year. I mean, this is a San Jose State team that, it's not crazy to say, could be nearing double-digit wins if they win this weekend as a seven-point favorite. So, you know, those are a couple teams. A couple other teams that he has jumped. He continues to to move up Arkansas State a little bit. Alabama. Alabama has been taking a, a maybe a little bit of a step back. They go out. They take care of business. And, uh, you know, what's fascinating about the fact that Adam bumped up Alabama two and a half points in his power ratings is the fact that Bryce Young got hurt. So what does that mean for Alabama moving forward? Did we learn more about the Crimson Tide, even though they lost their Heisman Trophy quarterback? Now, he's day-to-day, according to Nick Saban, could certainly be back. Another team that took a big jump in Adams ratings. Uh, this is a side that I'll say I changed last minute on Prime primetime. I rolled with the Bruins. Uh, he bumped the three and a half points after their win against Washington. They were very impressive last Friday night. And we'll learn a lot about UCLA against Utah this weekend. That game will be at the Rose Bowl. Um, maybe a look-ahead spot for Utah. We'll talk about that in a little bit with Wes. Uh, but that's a, another intriguing one there. So his biggest risers uh, this past week, San Jose State and um, and also Tulsa. A couple other teams that he moved up, Kansas State plus four. Uh, he actually moved up NC State despite the loss to Clemson, plus three. Boston College finally got back in the win column, so plus three there for uh, for the, uh, the the Eagles as they got a win there. So that's your stock up for Adam Burke. Let's take a look at stock down. Stock down. All right, we'll run through this one rather quickly. Um, you know, this is an interesting one, BYU. Now, this wasn't his biggest drop down. We'll get to that team here in just a moment. BYU coming to Las Vegas this week. They're a hard team to gauge. Um, you know, I, I had mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast, but I mentioned maybe a letdown spot for BYU, looking ahead, I should say, uh, to Notre Dame, which is a neutral site game here in Las Vegas. And it's it was a rivalry game, but I was pretty unimpressed by the performance we saw from BYU. And Adam, too, he, he downgraded them three points. Now, I don't know, I think the market might have, uh, overreacted a little bit too much. We'll see. Adams' projected line for Notre Dame BYU at Allegiant Stadium on Saturday is two. The market has moved to three and a half, four after it opened at two. Um, so you know, take that for what you will. But the biggest drop for Adam was uh, Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma minus seven. And uh, what Adam said, and make sure to check out his write up on Veasan.com each and every week. He said this is one of the 
potential overreactions that I'm talking about. Oklahoma's defense is clearly bad, but this is a pretty good offense on the whole. That being said, the loss of Dylan Gabriel could be huge for this team and the line against Texas seems to imply that he is likely out. And yeah, that's the biggest thing. Dylan Gabriel uh, does get hurt uh, in that game. Uh, Just that butt whipping at the hands of TCU. And now we will see, but I mean, Oklahoma right now, folks, a seven point underdog to Texas. The look ahead line at uh, South point over the summer was six and a half. And now you're looking at seven uh, in favor of, the Longhorns, a couple other big name teams, uh, Wisconsin, Wisconsin fires their head coach and the Badgers. This is the really intriguing to see how this year ends for Wisconsin. Do they rise up behind uh, defensive coordinator, Jim Leonard, or, uh, does this kind of fall apart? Um, you know, two and three, I think we were all very surprised, at least I was, to see Paul Chris fired. Now, I didn't, I thought he could be on the hot seat, but to be fired was was a bit stunning to see that. And then Braylon Allen came out uh, on Twitter and defended uh, his head coach saying that, look, everyone is, is, no one wanted to see Paul Chris get fired. And his tweet was, about uh, Paul Chris or uh, yeah, Coach Chris. Anyone who wanted Coach Chris gone isn't a part of this team. And then Braylon Allen also tweeted out a picture from the Las Vegas Bowl. How about this though? The Las Vegas Bowl happened December thirtieth in Las Vegas. I was fortunate enough to be doing sidelines for that game. Wisconsin won twenty to thirteen against Arizona State. Both those coaches are fired. And Braylon Allen tweeted out a picture, and he said, put me in a position to change my life. Much love, coach. So Adam downgraded them four and a half points if they were thoroughly embarrassed by Illinois. That all being said, do they rally behind Jim Leonard, a guy who is thought to be a, a rising coach uh, in this industry? And is he the guy that takes over the reins for this Wisconsin team moving forward? So four and a half points down. Uh, for Paul Chris, do they go after Lance Leipold? I think honestly, the reason that Wisconsin pulled the trigger right now is I think they need to find out what Jim Leonard is because Lance Leipold sitting there at Kansas five and zero, much to my chagrin because I had Iowa State and that was an absolute joke of a conclusion by Matt Campbell deciding to kick a thirty eight yard field goal with the kicker who had hit the uprights twice already. Do we fade Kansas again this week? Talk about that with Wes here in just a minute. But I think the reason was we got to find out what we have in Jim Leonard because Lance Leipold, who went to Wisconsin Whitewater, was a grad assistant at Wisconsin Whitewater, won six national titles as the head coach of Wisconsin Whitewater. Do we want to go get him? Or do we believe that the guy on staff, an alum of this university, a guy that turned down the Green Bay Packers head coaching job or defensive coaching job, in Jim Leonard, if he is capable of doing this. I think that's why the trigger was pulled. So we'll see what Wisconsin has uh, left in the tank. And maybe it is, at some point, a buy low. They're a 10-point favorite at Northwestern this week. And Northwestern's shown well, right? They only lost by 10. And now Wisconsin, fresh off firing their head coach, is a 10-point favorite against the Northwestern Wildcats. Another team... Uh, that Adam downgraded Virginia Tech 
four and a half points. And then also Army. Army, I don't know what to do with Army. I don't think they have a quarterback capable of running what they want to do. And, uh, you know, this is a potential letdown spot for their opponent this weekend in Wake Forest. But Army just got smoked by Georgia State, a team that was abs- was winless. So, you know, that's uh, an interesting one to uh, certainly keep an eye on. So once again, if you want to check out the latest power ratings, uh, he updates them every Monday. We normally talk about them. Adam, uh, unfortunately, not with us this week. Uh, we'll be back next week, though, and uh, we will get the latest for him. So follow him on Twitter at Skating Tripods. Check out the article, vsin.com, his updated power ratings and uh, early bets that he sees value in the spread. Speaking of potential spots, we're going to bring in Wes Reynolds, contributor here from VSIN, of course, co-host of uh, uh, Live Bet Tonight with Femi Abebefe. He will join us as we take a look at some letdown and look-ahead spots. Let down and look ahead. And now we do welcome in, as promised, Wes Reynolds to take a look at some letdown and potential look ahead spots. Wes, this is something I, I always like to do. Adam and I, on a weekly basis, will take a look at them. And I want to go a little more in depth. Now that conference season is here, I feel like there's a handful of teams that do maybe fall into that letdown category. And I'll start with the game last Friday night. The world felt like it was on Washington. Uh, I ended up last minute taking UCLA, one of my uh, few winners, I guess, of the weekend. It was not a great weekend. But UCLA takes care of business. They look great. They're into the top 25. And now they go on the road to Salt Lake City to take on Utah. So, you know, this is a spot. And we'll get to look aheads because Utah will play USC in two weeks. But is this, in your eyes, either a sell high or a letdown opportunity for the Bruins coming off of a, a really impressive performance uh, last uh, Friday? Friday night against uh, against uh, against Washington. Yeah, I, I don't know, Tim, if it's necessarily a letdown. And I was on the Bruins with you on Friday night just because Washington had not played a road game. And I'm high on the Huskies, and I still am, yep. at least in the macro sense for the season. But, you know, that was a tough spot for them because I think the market kind of made a lot of UCLA's early soft non-conference schedule. And the Bruins look wire to wire, pretty much gate to wire. They beat the Huskies. I don't think this is necessarily a letdown, but I wonder, and now it's at four, four and a half. It opened three. So those got gobbled up on the Utes because I was on the Utes last weekend Mm -hmm. against Oregon State simply because They fell into that category, Tim, I think. And there's always one of those that lose very early in the season. And then they become like out of sight, out of mind. So Utah had three lower grade opponents, easily took care of business. And then you had an Oregon State team that, you know, you felt like kind of left it all on the field up in Corvallis against USC. They hung in early chance and all went those a couple interceptions and then gets hurt. And then Utah, who really, I don't think, didn't really play that great necessarily against Oregon State. Their defense was on the field, actually, the overwhelming majority of the game. But they were able to take care of business and force turnovers. So I think the market is probably going the right way on the Utes. I still think that they're the best team in the Pac-12 until proven otherwise. Yeah, that's going to be a big game. We'll talk about the potential look-ahead nature. There's some big look-ahead spots, one that I've circled, uh, which we'll get to here in just a moment. Well, you mentioned Oregon State. 
State. And that was a team that I, I really like. I was all over Oregon State two weeks ago. I think they should have won that game outright against USC. They ultimately lose it. And sometimes, Wes, we do see these teams that lose highly emotional games at home. Then they have to go, turn around, go on the road. How do they fare? And Oregon State, as you mentioned, uh, did not cover. They lose uh, as a double-digit underdog uh, by 26. And that's where I lump in Missouri. I actually, my first bet of the week was Florida laying 10 against Missouri. Think about the nature Missouri has dealt with now these last two weeks, Wes. Two weeks ago, they had Auburn beat. Running back drops the ball running into the end zone. They lose that game. They turn around. They're winning the majority of the game on Saturday night in Columbia and ultimately fall to number one Georgia. I just wonder where their mindset is. Now they go on the road to take on Florida. I know Florida's coming off a shorter week because they played that game on Sunday against Eastern Washington. I don't really put much into that because it was an FCS opponent and they drubbed them. So I actually think Missouri's in a tricky spot. You know, letdowns, in my opinion, Wes, aren't always just coming off of big wins. They could be coming off of gut-wrenching losses, and that's where I would lump Missouri into. No, you're absolutely right, Tim. And if you look, Missouri, they should have won at Auburn. They should have won down on the plane, found a way to blow that game. They were up by double digits on the number one team in the country in the fourth quarter. And, you know, when you put it all out there and you come up just short, you wonder how much gas they have left in the tank. Florida, I think, you know, kind of interesting. They needed a little bit of a respite type of game, and they got it with the uh, delay due to Hurricane Ian. That game got moved in Gainesville to Sunday against Eastern Washington, 52-17, easy winner for the Gators. But you look at Florida, they started out the season having to have that great comeback against Utah. Then they lose at home to Kentucky. Then they were life and death against a bad South Florida team that gave a pretty good effort but ultimately fell short. Then they had to go to Tennessee, were competitive, had to get in the back door. So Eastern Washington, it seemed like that was kind of a get right game for them. You know, get some guys in, get some guys healthy, rest them a little bit, use your substitutions, use your reserves fairly liberally. And that's what Billy Napier did. I like the direction that Billy Napier has taken this program. And I don't think that we're going to see the Gators, you know, as a top 10 team, maybe for another season or two, but he's going in the right direction. I think that they lay it on Missouri on Saturday. All right. Oklahoma State exacted their revenge. This was a, a game I actually stayed away from Oklahoma State and Baylor. I thought the defense played uh, really well there for for the Pokes, uh, a high scoring third quarter. And uh, ultimately, Oklahoma State's able to uh, exact revenge from last year's uh, Big 12 championship game. So now they had uh they get to go back home to Stillwater and play Texas Tech. And now, you know, when, when I was doing my notes, West for this podcast, it was 10 and a half. Now it has moved to nine and a half. So it does feel like maybe some folks are anticipating maybe a little bit of a letdown for the pokes uh, as they take on Texas Tech on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, I'm with the market here, actually, on Texas Tech. And if you look at the Saturday game against Kansas State, and I actually split on that, they covered the first half, did not end up covering the game. I was just trying to fade KSU up, just getting ranked. And sometimes I like to do that, Tim, when you get a team yep. that finally gets in the top 25. And if you look, I think two of the three lost outright. Minnesota lost last week. So the, all the teams in the first half were fades, and they ended up going 0-3. But if you look, Texas Tech outgained K-State. They had four turnovers, minus three in the turnover battle. You're not going to win most games. So now you have Oklahoma State all of a sudden 
that could be a potential lead for the for the Big 12 title, or at least put yourself in really good position because they would get TCU next week. Now TCU's got to take care of business in Lawrence <laughs> on Saturday, which has proven to be tricky. Certainly did for Iowa State, Ugh. but you could have two undefeated teams, you know. And we didn't expect it was going to be Oklahoma State and Texas or Texas Christian. We thought it might be Texas and Oklahoma, which is kind of like a you know, almost ignored this week because these teams have already lost both games. But anyway, back to Texas Tech, this is a team that's very capable. And I think, uh, you know, the kid Smith is showing a little bit of confidence. Yeah. He still turns the ball over a little bit too much. And they had four last week. But this Oklahoma State team, this is not the defense that Jim Knowles had last year where they were a top 10 defense. So these guys can absolutely be had. And I think that you're almost like handicapping the game decide rather through the total because i think this opens 64 globally you're seeing 67 and a half this is like the old school oklahoma state defense where they get in a lot of shootouts and i think they're going to be in another one on saturday well wes let's jump to a game that you mentioned uh with tcu so in a couple weeks tcu uh could be playing oklahoma state here tcu man they put it on oklahoma over the weekend so you know initially i would look to fade tcu but this weekend, they're going to Lawrence. Kansas uh, survives and, and beats Iowa State, so they're undefeated. College game day is now headed to Lawrence for the first time in, in school history. The market is jumping on TCU here. It's up to a touchdown at time of record. I think it was as low as four at some point. I don't know what to do with this game because I was on Iowa State last week, and I, I couldn't have been more furious with the decisions that Matt Campbell did, especially at the end of the game. You have fourth and inches, and you decide – hey, let's kick with a guy who's already hit the upright twice and the kick wasn't even close. They lose that game 14-11. Does Iowa State, Kansas prevails, Kansas covers again. So you got this TCU team coming off of a 31-point whooping. They storm the field there uh, in, in Fort Worth. What do you make of this game? Because, you know, at seven, I... I really wanted to play TCU. However, you know, now this situational spot, both teams are coming off big wins and, and I, I want to find a time to fade Kansas. I just don't know if it's this weekend. Yeah, I think maybe the numbers gotten away from us a little bit. Now even seeing some seven and a halves at a couple uh, rogue shops out there, even though the market's pretty much painted seven. And this was a split for me. I had TCU last week, but I was also with you on Iowa State where the blooms kind of off the rose with uh, with Matt Campbell with some of those yeah. play calls at the end. But if you look at Kansas, they only had 10 first downs last week and they had 213 total yards. Uh, you know, Daniels really wasn't much of a factor. Iowa State controlled the time of possession. I think it was about 35 to 25 in that game. So I'm looking for a spot to fade Kansas, but I feel like the market has kind of already beat us to it here. And and because I don't know how Kansas is going to handle this situation now where it's like we're five and oh we're one game away from being bowl eligible i love the coach lance leopold i think he's done a tremendous job with that team and we thought kansas was going to be at least a little bit improved uh being the fact that they had like 19 starters back but i didn't expect them to be five and oh and have college game day go in there unless they were going to be doing a basketball segment but <laughs> yeah this is this is one i'm probably 
going to stay away from at least at first glance you know see if maybe the number really gets out of whack and take a shot with Kansas but I don't know what to do with this game either yeah and if Oklahoma had beaten TCU I probably would have been all over TCU in this spot West but right. you know because they won in such emphatic fashion you know it is it was it's your typical letdown spot however it's Kansas and you know the more infuriating part you mentioned Kansas the total yards I think they had 28 yards my math was correct in the second half I saw uh, our friend Todd Furman tweet out their last four drives. Kansas had negative 23 yards, and yet uh, the uh, the fortunate Jayhawks, you know, keep on keep on winning and good for them. Hey, happy for them. But they are one of those teams, as you mentioned. Now they're in the top 25. Now they've got that number next to their name. Now they've got game day there. So uh, just keep an eye uh, on that game. Another game, you know, I, I really like Mississippi State last weekend, one of, one of the games I wrote up for the website. And they get Arkansas. And Arkansas coming off of uh, the loss to Alabama, you know, sometimes we've seen in the past, West teams that play Alabama the next week, they're kind of a fadeable team. And now you've got Mississippi State fresh off of a, a big win over um, over Texas A&M, and they're laying north of a touchdown. It's at home. It's an early game. You know, I, I do like back in Sam Pittman, especially in a spot where I can catch north of a touchdown. But once again, situationally, is Arkansas in a good spot to be backing them, knowing they're coming off of a loss that, look, they they had an opportunity at least early on to keep that thing close, and it ultimately got away from against Alabama. I actually think this is a tough spot, really, for both teams. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned, of course, Arkansas. And look, the market's all over Mississippi State. And Mississippi State was one of those teams that I was a little bit higher on that I thought could be a sleeper, maybe not to win the conference, but at least to be up there in the top two or three in the Western Division. Because I think when you get that system and you get Will Rogers now in his third year in the air raid, and now Mike Leach kind of has his people to run the offense that he wants to run, you know, that when he first started down there in Starkville, it's all square peg in a round hole, right? I mean, you don't have the personnel that really can fit your system. So you adjust your system to your personnel or your personnel to your system. And Mike Leach, I think is doing the latter. But if you looked at last week and I know Mississippi state pretty much did a wire to wire job on A&M, A&M had four turnovers last week. And I think that that game could have been closer to the final score. A little bit concerning to see that Mississippi State had 13 penalties for 138 yards. If you do that in a game like this against Arkansas, they're going to get you here. So it's it's really two situations going against each other where it's like, I want to go against Arkansas <laughs> because you're absolutely right. When you play in Alabama, when you play in Georgia, when you play in Ohio State, it's not just the outcome of the game. It's the physical pounding that you take in those games. And sometimes it takes a week to get over that and then no rest for the wicked here. They got to go to Stark Vegas and play Mississippi State. But I mentioned earlier, Mississippi State is one of those teams now that finally get ranked in the polls. And those have been really good fade spots. They certainly were last week. So you look at teams like Mississippi State, Cincinnati, LSU, Syracuse has a bye. So you can't really do it with them. TCU and Kansas play each other. And then UCLA, of course, we talked about earlier against Utah that first game when you get ranked it's like okay we've got a sense of accomplishment now and then you, you often see teams in those situations lay an egg the next time out 
Wes, Illinois goes into Camp Randall. Brett Bielema gets his uh, – it's not the coach who replaced him when he bolted for Arkansas in, uh, in Paul Chris. But Paul Chris gets fired after they lose to Illinois. So, Illinois, very impressive win. Uh, they're able to run the ball, really suffocate Wisconsin defensively. But we've also seen this Illinois team, and this is no knock on your alma mater, or maybe it is, uh, lose to a team like Indiana so far this year. So, they've found ways to lose some games. This game is fascinating. To me, so Illinois off the win over Wisconsin, they get to host Iowa. Iowa, of course, has looked dreadful offensively, but has found ways. You know, they go to Rutgers, they cover, they cover that marathon game against uh, you know lifeless Nevada. But I, I want to point this out. So Illinois coming off the win, people saw that, they're impressed. The the point spread right now is three and a half. You could find a four. Let's look at the last five years of Illinois Iowa games. Wes, last year Iowa. Lay in 12. 2020, Iowa laying 13. 2019, Iowa laying 15. 2018, Iowa laying 14. 2017, Iowa laying 17. So Iowa the last five years has been a double-digit favorite, and now they're catching points against Illinois. Is this a sell-high spot on the Illini? It, it certainly would look to be, at least on the surface, because I think when people looked at that performance last week where, you know, Iowa got a backdoor, but they hung in there with their defense as long as they could, and then eventually the levy's going to break when you can't score. And I know people see they gave up 172 yards, but it was only 4.1 a carry. This Iowa defense is still, I think, one of the elite defenses in the country. So I was a little bit surprised to see Illinois laying three and a hook. I thought, okay, maybe pick them or one, one and a half or something like that. I still think this Iowa defense, and when you give me the better defense taking points, more often than not, I'm going to go with that. So, yeah, I'm not totally convinced here with Illinois. I, I was surprised to see them laying three and a half. All right, a couple other maybe letdown spots, Wes, just to just to kind of point out here as we look ahead to uh, to the week, and we'll t- uh, do some look-ahead spots too because, by the way, October 15th, clear your schedule now. That that schedule on October 15th is uh, is a college football fan's dream, and there's some, uh, some monster games there. Uh, Wake Forest off of a win over Florida. To state, they now host Army. They're laying 17. Georgia Tech stunningly beats Pittsburgh in a game where I think their postgame win expectancy was was rather low, and now they're catching a short number against Duke. So either Wake or Georgia Tech, as we look at some ACC teams, would you say they're in some uh, letdown spots? I think they certainly could be. And if you remember this uh, Wake Forest Army game last year. 70 to 56. Yeah, 70 to 56. Wake Forest got the win up there at West Point. Uh, Army gives me a little bit of a concern because I think you know this very well, Tim, covering Navy all those years. You got to have an experienced quarterback to run that triple option. And Army doesn't. Army has a senior, but a senior that has really played sparingly over the last two to three seasons. So that concerns me a little bit. I would be leaning their way now that it's gotten to 17 because I do think Wake Forest coming off that near miss against Clemson and then going and kind of showing Florida State, who's boss. Florida State was the other team, by the way, that was in that scenario of the team that gets ranked finally. Mm -hmm. And then they get that sense of accomplishment and then they get beat right away. You see that oftentimes in college basketball as well. So Army would be the team I would be looking at in that spot. Georgia Tech, I don't know really what to do with them because I was high (laughs) on their season win under. Me too. I I bet it at three and a half, and I know a lot of other guys on this network and some of our guests and our contributors 
also did the same. I didn't expect them to go beat Pat Narduzzi on the road. Uh, and, and now I have a realistic shot at going over three and a half. You know, you look at Duke, and this is just a totally new role for this team to be a road favorite in a conference game. But look, I, I think Duke made a very savvy hire as at head coach down there. And they have been a team that has been a, a really a, a nice surprise, I think, going forward, being four and one, having a realistic chance to get bowl eligible. You saw what they did to Virginia last week, a Virginia team that's kind of like, you know, they had Brennan Armstrong, who was the leader in the conference in terms of total offense. But. Tony Elliott has a different scheme and Armstrong doesn't look like maybe he fits that. So uh, I like Mike Elko's guys. I would lean with Duke on the road here against Georgia Tech. Yeah, it might be a stay off for me because I have that under uh, three and a half wins for Georgia Tech. So it might just be rolling with that there. Hey, Wes, one more game and then we'll do some look ahead spots before I let you run. Uh, Ole Miss coming off of uh, a, a, uh, a big win over Kentucky wasn't the prettiest, but they get it done 22 to 19. Great crowd. Lane Kiffin seemed kind of uh, annoyed after the game. So maybe that leads into they'll be ready to go this weekend. But you have that emotional game, that big win over a top 10 team uh, in in Kentucky. And now you go to sleepy Vanderbilt and you're laying 18 and a half. Uh, You know, look. Me and you, we've we've backed some ugly ugly dogs before. Uh, this one doesn't seem like it's the uh, the prettiest spot, but you know maybe a little sleepy. Would you look at taking the points with Vanderbilt here uh, with uh, against Ole Miss, who is now into the top ten? I would at least look that way. I don't know if I'm going to end up doing it because I don't think this line's really going to move all that much. It's kind of going to stay, I think, in that dead zone between 17 and 21. Vanderbilt did get a week off. So like we talk about, when you play the elite teams, the Alabamas, the Georgias, and the Ohio States, you take a physical pounding. And certainly Clark Lee's guys did two weeks ago at Alabama to the tune of 55 to three. But Yeah, Mississippi to me, I watched a lot of that game against Kentucky, and that was really a sloppy game on both sides, especially in the second half. A lot of turnovers, a lot of mistakes. Kentucky just made more mistakes, I think, than Ole Miss did, and that's why uh, Lane Kippen's guys end up winning that game. But, yeah, I I wonder about this. I I know they took care of business against Georgia Tech a couple weeks ago, but if you look at Ole Miss – They haven't covered a lot of the big numbers. They didn't cover against Troy, could never get away from them in the opener. They were actually a lot closer than the score would indicate against Tulsa in the fourth quarter, where if Tulsa made a couple plays, Tulsa pulls the upset down there in Oxford. But yeah, this would be an absolute underdog that I think you got to kind of hold your nose a little bit (laughs) and take the shot with the Commodores. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. All right, uh, a couple look-ahead spots before we let you run. And the one that I have circled, kind of going back to Oklahoma, State now, which now makes me more intrigued by Texas Tech because Oak State, not only did they come off the win over Baylor, as we talked about, but in two weeks, they visit Fort Worth and what could be a really big time game for uh, for supremacy there in the Big 12. So uh, I continue to look kind of back on the uh, on the Red Raiders there. But in two weeks, Wes, it was announced this game will be the CBS game. I would assume college game day will be headed to Knoxville. You've got Alabama visiting Tennessee, the old third Saturday in October tradition. And it's been a tradition that's been completely owned by Alabama. I think they've won 14 straight or 15 straight. I want to say the last time I tweeted this out, the last time uh, Tennessee won was 2006, Wes. So it's just been absolute domination by Alabama. Tennessee's now feeling good about themselves. Top 10 in the country this weekend. 
you better be on your P's and Q's. They go to LSU, who, uh, if you look at postgame win expectancy, was very fortunate to come back and beat Auburn. But this game is at Death Valley. It's a local 11 a.m. kick, so maybe that's not as ideal as I would hope for. But I think this is a tricky spot for Tennessee, maybe peeking an eye ahead to a showdown against Big Brother that they haven't been able to win for a decade and a half. Yeah, I think it certainly is, Tim. I don't really know what to do with the side, but I do kind of like the move and would agree with it on the total because Tennessee, Josh Heupel, they're going to run tempo and they're just going to run their offense. I remember, you know, they had second and third and fourth string and water boys in there against Akron. And they're still running tempo a couple weeks ago. I think that was one of the bad beats where if you had the under, Josh Heupel, he never lets the foot off the gas. So I fully expect that Tennessee is going to get their points and they're probably going to allow some to LSU as well. LSU's defense, I got some questions about them because they did give up 438 yards to Auburn who now is essentially running a zone read type of quarterback uh, uh, down there uh, with uh, Finley not going and they're going with Ashford. So Ashford threw for 337 and this is a guy that's seen as a running quarterback. So I've got some concerns about that LSU secondary and that Tennessee's not the team you want to have concerns in the secondary against. Yeah, that's true. But uh, we've seen a little bit of movement. Opener at Circa was four uh, as of record right now, down to two, some two and a halfs out there. We'll see if we get a three again. USC in Utah. This is the game I feel like anyone who follows the Pac-12 has been talking about all year about this is the game. It is going to be a night game in Salt Lake City. Utah's got UCLA this week. They're a four-point favorite. We already mentioned that game is UCLA. Are they in a potential letdown spot? And then USC playing Washington State. Do they peek their eye ahead? Uh, they had Arizona State last week. They're laying 13 against Wazoo, who's kind of been a thorn in the side. Obviously, we saw them beat Wisconsin. Uh, I was impressed. They took care of business relatively easily against Cal after having their guts ripped out against Oregon. So is USC in a spot where they might be peeking ahead a little bit to, uh, to next weekend in Salt Lake City? I certainly think they could be, Tim, but when I'm looking at the market, I think that this is the first week that the market has actually come in on USC <laughs> because they've been they've been fading them all yeah. year because we know dynamic offense uh, with Caleb Williams at quarterback and, you know, his Heisman odds are getting cut by the day, but they got faded against Stanford, Stanford covers. They got faded with Fresno State, USC covered against them. Uh, Oregon State got there against them with the number. Last week, Arizona State, some people came in on them because I think it was 26 and a half, close like 24, 24 and a half. So this is the first week that you're seeing USC get back. So I wonder if all the guys that have been fading USC are like kind of throwing their hands up in the air like, you know, we give up fading this team because <laughs> you've had to raise your power rating certainly on this team because it feels like they can score you know if you take out the Oregon State game it feels like they can score on every possession so I'm a little bit surprised to see them at 13 and a half over Washington State maybe now that the market is like oh we seem convinced on this team maybe this is the time actually to go against them we might see a 14 pop on this game I'm starting to see some 13 and a halves in the market so I'm a little bit surprised the market seems so convinced on fading the Trojans but they're not doing so this week yeah and uh, one final one I just want to revisit real quickly I, I don't think Alabama's an 11 
letdown spot just because, or a look-ahead spot, I should say, because there's just been so much talk about this Texas A&M game all throughout the offseason. So, you know, personally, I didn't really, I included it on my uh, my write-up here, Wes, but uh, did not uh, did not mention it. Final one, and it includes your alma mater, the mighty Hoosiers of Indiana. Michigan coming off the Iowa win. Two weeks from now, they get to host Penn State, who uh, is uh, what I think snuck into the top 10 now, if, uh, if my memory serves me correct. Uh, that Penn State and uh, Michigan game is a 10 versus 4 matchup as it states right now. Penn State has a bye. I guess last week was the time to fade Penn State because they struggled against Northwestern and that one didn't get home. But any shot, your Hoosiers, keep it close against Michigan as a 22 and a half point home underdog. Well, perhaps the only shot of me taking the Hoosiers is maybe if a 24 gets there by the end of the week and people still keep betting Michigan. Because, look, uh, and I'll take Michigan first here. I know they're number four in the country, and and I think that they're a good team. But this was a team I was kind of lukewarm on coming into the season simply because, you know, Jim Harbaugh, I think if he would have been offered that Minnesota Vikings job, would have taken it because that was his walk-off, it seemed like, last season. It's like, okay, I got my alma mater better than I found it. We got to the college football playoff. We won the Big Ten title. We beat Ohio State. So I fully think that he would have taken that job. So I wonder how that would affect players where it's like, okay, he didn't get the Vikings job, so now he's back here and settling for us. But Michigan, they're a tough eval, I think, Tim, because if you look – they played one of the softest non-conference schedules in the country. I mean, Jim Harbaugh is taking lessons from his brother-in-law, Tom Crean, in scheduling some of these. And I know the <laughs> schedules are done many years in advance, but Colorado State is dreadful. Hawaii is an obvious rebuild. UConn is terrible. Maryland, I think, gave him a game. Uh, even when uh, Talia Tagbaloa got hurt, the backup still let him down against that defense. Iowa, you know, they just don't have the offense, but they still do for about 250 yards on Michigan. So as much as I don't like Indiana, and and if you watched Indiana at all this year, they might have one of the worst offensive lines in the power five. They can't blood. They can't run block. They can't pass block. And uh, an old coach at Indiana said one time, and that was Kevin Wilson, who's the Ohio State offensive coordinator. Your offense is what you can block. And that's Indiana's main problem. They are not very good at blocking. So it's tough for me to take the Hoosiers here. But if there was 24, save for the game last year, Michigan and Indiana have been really, really competitive and actually have played some very close games. Of course, Indiana did beat them during the COVID year when Joe Milton was the quarterback for the Wolverines. So this is one I think that you can wait on because I think maybe some more money will come in on Michigan. You might be able to get 24 going into game day with Indiana. Yeah, I think that would be uh, your classic hold-your-nose situation. Uh, Wes, we appreciate you uh, jumping on, filling in for Adam today. Uh, You could follow Wes on Twitter at WesReynolds1. Also catch him live bet tonight with Femi Abebefe and read all his work on vsin.com. That's going to do it for this edition of the vsin College Football Betting Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at one Tim Murray. Follow Adam there at Skating Tripods. Once again, subscribe, rate, review. Another edition of the vsin College Football Betting Podcast coming up on Thursday when Matt Humans and myself will break down the entire card heading into the second weekend of October.